Pacer season is about a month away. What are the biggest storylines headed into the season? Dustin Dopirak from the Indianapolis Star are going to break down five of the biggest ones for this Pacers team all on today's Locked On Pacers podcast. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Happy Wednesday and welcome into another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers, as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and SI, and today it's Storylines time. As we heat up the coverage here on Lockdown Pacers heading into the 2023-24 season, we're back to every day, and I want to dig into some of the biggest storylines surrounding the team heading into the season, starting with, well, a bunch of things. A lot of talk about Benedict Matherin and Tyrese Halliburton today, and joining me to do that is Dustin Dopirak from the Indianapolis Star, one of the lovely people on the beat covering this team. We get into a lot of stuff. Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton. Will anyone step up the balance of defense and offense, clarity, and everything you need to know about the Pacers team heading into the season? In the middle, we had some tech issues. So you will see on your screen uh, a switch from the normal recording software I used to Zoom. Sorry about that, but hopefully it still sounds great and you get lovely information from Destin and I. We'll be back with Caitlin on Friday with a more season preview content with some players. So lots of fun stuff still coming here this week week but let's just jump right in with Dustin talking Pacers season a man who needs no introduction <laughs> if you follow the Pacers at all you know who he is and a person I haven't seen for the longest time I think <laughs> since he joined the beat it's Dustin Dopirak with the Indy Star we're here to talk the biggest Pacers storylines headed into the coming season it's less than a month away Dustin how are you I actually have to ask because usually I just see you would know how you're doing I know exactly I think it's it's been I think a whole month I mean I'm it, this this is by far the longest we've gone I don't think we've gone a full week before uh between uh now and November I mean you you seem like you've got more going on you got a house you got the whole bit your whole your whole world's changed man like, it has. It has. The fever season's over. I moved. So it's like, what do I what do I do now? I just unpack yeah. stuff. My entire wall decor right now is a giant Mad Ants blanket from a team that's not even in that city anymore. So and I broke the number one rule of podcasting asking, how are you? But I ac I actually need to this time. Yeah, exactly. I I'm good. Not much change for me. I don't actually know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> the World Cup is over, too. It's like what? it's all it's all happening. Yeah, there's exactly. There's five storylines in my life that are interesting, honestly. What's that? <laughs> there's five storylines <laughs> in my life that are interesting. Easily, easily, clearly. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot to discuss with what's going on with you, man. Not not much has changed for me. I've just been sitting waiting for the season to start and watching watching World Cup uh, and baseball and other stuff. But we're 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 fine. We are getting there now. We can see. Uh, you know, I don't want to say light at the end of the tunnel because summer's nice, even if nothing's going on. So it's not like a you know, boring stretch. We have lives and stuff, but you know, we are getting close to it. You can see, you know, like you can see things start to come around, you know, October one, not far, or October two, October three, uh, not very far away. And, and so it's, everything is getting real. Obviously you, you've, you know, seen a couple guys playing world cup with Halliburton and Tice, you, you have a sense of where they are. And I think that, you know, that does, I think change some things or at least alter uh, a little, uh, give you a, a better sense of where those guys are heading coming in. So, uh, you know, things are starting to get interesting. We're getting close to it. You and I have two weeks until our lives are a lot different and we have to start mm -hmm. covering these storylines. And it's interesting this year because I was actually, I forget, I was talking to you recently about this, but every media day, I think for my last five media days, there's been one just like dominant, 
thing. Miles Turner, is he going to get traded to the Lakers? Or DeMontis Sabonis, is he getting an extension? Or new coach, Nate Bjorker, new coach at Carlisle. Oladipo is ascending now. What Like every year, there's been something. And this year, I'm like, huh, there's a lot of some things, but they're a lot less important <laughs> than right. some things from last year. So it's a really mm-hmm. interesting time where the team's kind of at this intersection of its future, but there's not that dominating thing hanging over the team like there has been in past years. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. There's nothing pressing in the sense of, man, they've got to figure this out or or this is just, you know, like you said, this sort of like sort of Damocles sort of thing that's hanging over everybody and where, you know, like – is this guy going to get traded? When is he going to get traded? You know, are, where are they in this sort of rebuilding standpoint and who still needs to go? Uh, you know, there, there's still certain guys, obviously, that, that can move in the not too distant future, obviously, but we're not talking about a Turner uh, or at least immediately a buddy healed, uh, even though obviously there's there's a, a not small chance he moves, you know, sometime this season, maybe at the deadline, depending on where they are um, with him having an expiring contract and some other guys having expiring contracts. But it's not something that's that huge. That's the only thing that anybody's going to want to talk about when they see somebody. But there is a lot of, I think, more intricate uh, and more interesting stuff is it, it, it is, I think evidence that they are moving towards something that there is that there is momentum towards building uh, as opposed to still being in that figuring out who's going to be here uh you know place again you, you don't know who all is going to be on the next great pacers team or even the next pacers playoff team but you're starting to see the you know the the building of a style the building of a core you know a few guys who have been identified as these are our guys and this is going to be these guys are going to be a piece of this you know there's stuff going on in the periphery. Uh, but again, there, there is nothing like that. It's like, okay, this is the story that everybody's got to talk about on the first day of camp. Yeah, for sure. That's fascinating. Usually I know like 10 of the questions that are coming on media day. I don't this year and I'm already prepared mm-hmm. to get annoyed. And all these people comment, why do you keep talking about buddy yield trades? Well, you just said it, his contract yes. expiring. You have to think about sure. it. Same reason we talked about it with miles for eons and eons on over last year. All right. First thing I want to get to, as I look forward to this 2023-24 Pacers season, I want to talk a lot about, not a lot, I want to talk about Benedict Matherin because I think his general season will answer a lot of questions about what the Pacers' next steps sort of look like. Does he ascend as a shooter or not? Does he ascend as a passer or not? Does his fit with Tyrese Halliburton become very clear or does it still look like it's going to be rocky? A lot of things about this season are going to be about Benedict Matherin to me because He's kind of the guy who I think most view it this way, maybe even the Pacers view it this way, has the second best chance behind Tyrese, of course, of being a dude and like a very good dude on a very good team. And if Mm -hmm. he can't take those steps forward where it looks obvious after year two, sure, he's still going to be a good player. Like that's not a it's not like a problem, but it does kind of change the way they they scope what they need or how they assess how much talent they still need heading into when Halliburton's deal kicks in and their salaries changed significantly so to me a lot of this season is about ben his growth uh, benedict excuse me ben shepherd someone else now benedict his growth yeah. in skill and his growth in fit with tyrese halberton because that dictates a lot of what the coming summers and trade deadlines will look like yeah no agreed 100 i think um if you're going to compete to win the East at some point, if you're going to be in that discussion, um, you, you, I mean, you have to have high, high level talent. And as good as Tyrese is, and he's fantastic, I and mean, we've obviously, you know, spent uh, forever talking about just how many things he does well. You know, he's still not like the the way that he plays is based on 
you know, helping other people like that, that, that's sort of his super, his superpower to begin with is enhancing the talents of others. And to get the most out of him, I think you have to have another guy that's got sort of superstar potential. You know, you can spread the ball around and and there's that there's a value there. But I think you want at least one you want one guy who's in that all star tier, who's in that all star or fringe all NBA tier. um, If you're going to be up there with a Boston team that's still going to ride with Tatum and Brown or or a Philly team that's, you know, for now, at least uh, still got, you know, Harden and Embiid. And obviously, even if they move Harden at some point, you know, you got a guy like a Maxi. There's, you know, two uh, top line level guys, you know, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, uh, you know, Milwaukee with with their trio with Giannis and and Middleton and and Holiday. And even if you lose Middleton at some point or or Middleton fades, you know, you still have those two. So like you kind of just need to have if you're going to make a push to win the conference two two superstars and you can imagine like Matherin, you can see he's, he's got the best chance of being, you know, that second superstar as good as, and, and I don't want to, you know, use that to diminish miles. So I can think of very, very, can be a very, very good player. You know, I think he's a top 10 center in the league, but I don't know if he'll ever be a top five center. And I think you got to be a, a guy that's closer into that echelon. And so, and, and Matherin is the guy who has the best chance of making a leap there. And so how, how far can he get in that? I mean, I don't think he has to get all the way there this year, but you have to see the path. You know, yes. and I think you look at um, certainly I, I don't think Duarte was ever, ever anywhere near after year one where Matherin was after year one. But you obviously year two was enough for them to cut bait and say, well, OK, we got to go in the direction here and we're we're willing to move him just to open up roster space. We need to move somebody, you know, to go get Obi Toppin and, you know. Duarte ends up being the guy where not long ago what you thought about him as a foundational piece. I don't see Matherin falling that far, but I think their um, trajectory, their time frame change, changes drastically, accelerates drastically if you start to see him look like an all-star. And it slows drastically if you see him having a major growing pain season. If, if you yes. see him get moved into the starting ropes, you know, into the starting five, and when he's getting defended by somebody legit, you see his numbers fall. Uh, you know, when, when he's taking on uh, a legit, you know, high level wing defender, th- those guys are, you know, have a better sense of how to take him away. Uh, that matters. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned obviously his passing, his shooting. Those are, I think, real important things. Defense, another really key piece. I think uh, he has, I think, the physical capability and he is talking the right game when it comes to becoming a really good defender. You know, he's, he's said more than once he sort of views himself in that sort of Jordan Kobe mind frame. He's got that body. Um, you know, that doesn't mean he has that skill set. Those guys are at a, you know, we're, we're at a, obviously a, a hugely different level, but that sort of the wingspan, you know, the athleticism, the speed, like he, he has that build. And so that means he should be a good defensive player, you know, or should at least have the capacity. And that goes a long way in terms of who else you can put on the floor with him. Um, and I think that's something we could, we could get into as well as far as rotations is concerned. But if he becomes a legit, really good defender, that amplifies uh him a whole lot too uh and if he's just an average one or 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 worse uh as he's been so far uh you can't leave him on the floor as much and and it's different in terms of who you can play him with um so that i think is another key piece but everything that he can do uh all, all the leaps he can make matter in terms of how this team gets built for the long term hey guys quick break here so i can talk to you about a new sponsor jace medical who makes the jace case Stop being ill-prepared and have peace of mind 
when you need medication in an emergency with the Jace case. You won't be unprepared, and everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. Jace handles everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation care right on their website. If you've ever been stuck in a supply chain shortage and not been able to get the medication you need or some sort of other issue between travel or a disaster has stopped you from getting what you need, Jace case is exactly what you need. It's as easy as one, two, three. It comes just in time. You'll get the exact care that you need. There's so many things that can get in the way. Supply chain issues, storms, shortages, pandemics as we just lived through. You need to be prepared now more than ever for medical emergencies. And Jace Medical can help you out. It's simple. You go online, fill out a form, then you get a prescription. Life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case too gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping you have access to medication in an emergency. Instead, you've got it and make sure you have the medication in hand and you're prepared. Save more than $360. That's a lot of money. By getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com code locked on. A big part of that ascent too is like an isolation score who gets to the line and is at worst, average efficiency because of his ability gets the line. That's a valuable player probably in any lineup. But for the Pacers to be their best, he has to fit well with Halliburton, which yeah. seems kind of obvious. And that requires one of shooting or passing coming along because if not, he's stopping the ball too much for the Pacers mm. to be the team that they at least talk like they want to be when he's at his best. And we saw glimpses of that, especially in the season of the shooting. The passing's never been there. Chad Buchanan mentioned it on a summer league broadcast. It's come up offhand from... Several other Pacers figures. JP talked about it. Pargo, their summer league coach. So any one skill growth that makes me think, okay, I have no doubt Tim and Halberton can be additive to each other. Like they played, they're not like subtracting. They're not hurting no. each other or getting in each other's way. But where they can complement each other, I think would be significant, even if he's not going to be an all-star level dude, just because at least he can fit with this Pacers team going forward. Dustin, give me a second big storyline for this Pacers team this year. Well, the other guy we're talking about, Ty. Obviously, uh, I mean, that, he's obviously been the, it, you know, especially among returning guys, the, the center of, you know, the Pacers offseason. And he wasn't moving at all, but he just got paid uh, for one thing. And then you got to watch him uh, in FIBA. And I think I think it's just a question of what all does he bring back with him? What what are all sort of the lessons of this offseason for him? Uh, and how does he continue to carry the mantle of being, you know, the guy uh, for this franchise? It's something he embraced. It's something he really likes. Uh, you know, it, it was looking forward to that opportunity, and he got to be that guy for a season. Now he's done an offseason. Now he's going to go into next year with everybody sort of keying on him. Whoever the Pacers play is going to make him the first guy on on uh, the scouting report. Not that he wasn't already, but, I mean, there is going to be more film on him, more sense of what he does, more a better sense of what you might have to take away uh, or, and just what he's trying to do. And he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to carry that again as he was at the end of the last season, you know, or, or really from the midpoint of last season, uh, you know, he's going to be the guy who, you know, gets the ball in his hand and, you know, is going to be asked to make a lot of plays in isolation down the stretch to try to win games, uh, you know, as he did last year. Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. What did he learn from FIBA? What did he take from that? Um, obviously, he made a real point to be a facilitator, and that's what he's always been. That's that's sort of key within his DNA. What did he take from the international game? You know, from that experience, um, he's always been a great leader. Are there more things that he can add in terms of creating chemistry? What has he done 
to be a better defender. I mean, that was something he obviously went into the offseason saying, you know, I want to uh, feel like I got to be physically stronger to be a better defender. How far did he come in that regard? I mean, I think I saw some improvement from him, uh, you know, in, in FIBA. I, I think you still – you saw some – you continue to see some really good stuff off the ball. And, you know, I, I think – um, you know, you really do have to appreciate how good he is as an instinctual defender, getting in passing lanes, getting his hand on the ball. Uh, but he has trouble when it comes to just staying in front of your guy. You know, when you're isolated or when someone's coming to set a you know ball screen on you, uh, can you get through that? I mean, obviously, a, a big key shot that Germany hit to beat the U.S. came because Halliburton, you know, Tyrese got trapped on a screen, you know, at, at the top of the key, and Ops got all the way to that corner, and he over, you know, Tyrese overran it, overran the ball fake, and slipped, and you know there was that key wide open three and that's really the shot that buried the u.s in that game um so it's it's what did he what kind of things did he pick up there uh and 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 it all comes back to how ready is he to be you know a super a real superstar in the league and and i don't mean that to conjure up the discussion of the faker wannabe all-star i don't i don't you know i'm not putting it that way i'm not wally zerbiak here obviously he's going to be he's going to have a tremendously productive season it's a question of what kind of leaps can he take and and how can he lift everybody up uh you know he's got all the all the dna all the mindset for that but there are some things obviously he could do to take it a step further uh certainly health is going to be a thing you know uh, last year obviously some of those games he didn't play at the end were just to shut him down and, and take it easy and get in developmental mode uh uh, in the last 10 games or so of the year. But, you know, can he get, can he get, you know, if he gets a 75 game season as opposed to a 56 game season, obviously that makes a huge difference uh, for these guys. So I, I think a lot of it is just what did Tyrese take from the whole of this offseason from the on court stuff with FIBA, from the off court stuff, and from just everything he took in, from the weight of getting paid a whole heck of a lot. How does he do all that? I know it's weird to say the weight of getting paid. Grant us all that weight uh, so that we might carry it. Bummer for him, huh? We'll, we'll, we'll take a briefcase or two to take it <laughs> off your hands. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, just th- there is still what it comes down to when you're getting paid, you know, enough to buy an island nation. Like there is a, this understanding that you have to, you have to earn that uh, basically. And that, that you need to, operate as a guy that's that big of a deal and so Tyree's taking on all that i think he's well built for it um and so i i, I don't say any of that predicting that he's it's going to be his downfall but it is still a uh it's a big deal it's and it's a big thing to watch and it's it's a key storyline of just you know him going getting into that phase of his career at 23 as someone who knows that and you know this we've talked to him a lot that Tyrese holds every little thing as this petty thing that he can use his revenge mm-hmm. I wonder if he's going to like write Andreas Obst's name on his arm or something to remember that defensive moment as he tries to take awesome. steps forward. He was awesome in that game. Man. He 24 points. Yeah, he was. He really yeah, was. I agree with all of what you just said. And like to sum up how I would kind of think about it with Halbert, like I think he could be a, a key leader and player on a championship team, one of yeah. the best players on one of those teams. Is he a is he the guy or a guy, if that makes any sense? Like that feels like it's sure. diminishing him. Because he's really good. Like calling him a guy is definitely underrating how good he is. But just like if he takes a step forward to the point where like, okay, <laughs> this team mm-hmm. can be has, you know, conference finals, final ceiling with him as the best player. That is significant. Mm-hmm. And like to me, it's even he creates so many of his own shots. Like just being a little more selfish twice a game and his 
Mm -hmm. scoring goes up and it's still an efficient offensive play for the Pacers. Like seeing how he grows in that way, since he had opportunities to be around stars, to have that sort of growth, to be in that sort of system, seeing Mm -hmm. his ascent is going to be huge for this team because we could talk about all these young players, new additions, and maybe they'll all be better. Maybe they're not something, maybe their best player is just better. And then they're just, they're just a better team because of that alone. And he's only 23. Mm -hmm. So that is extremely on the table to me Mm -hmm. as an option of something that could happen in his growth life. I, I don't know what that would take to me. It's just him being a tiny bit more selfish, which is weird to say. And I know that's totally mm-hmm. against every instinct he has in basketball, but I think it might end up being better for the team, especially one that has some flux at his, uh, right. in terms of their growth spot. So we'll see where that yeah. goes. But yes, we nailed my top two, which was Matherin's growth and Halliburton's ascent for the biggest mm-hmm. stories for the Pacers this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I just, just to add to that, I mean, I think, he obviously, it, it, you know, his idea of, you know, going and get his own own shot versus, you know, like trying to do do well for others, go, reaches all the way back in his career. You know, yes. it, is, it was like literally like I talked to his, I talked to his high school coaches, like they they had debates because sometimes we'd be like tight, you you are our best option, like you are definitely our best option to take that shot. Why are you passing it up? Why are you trying? And he would say, you know, I feel like if I get this guy his this little ten foot jumper earlier, he's going to be this much better. And but you know, he has in a lot of cases known when to take the big shots. You know, I, I think yes. obviously when it comes to the fourth quarter, and you know, it, 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 oddly enough, like he could be more selfish for the first three, maybe a little bit less in the fourth. Um, in, in yep, the sense of, it. you know, it, it's not that he's selfish. It's just, he feels like, okay, this is the time where the superstars got to make the play and he makes it in isolation where I think they can move it a little bit more. I, I think they could, could, you know, uh, you know, wait a little bit before, before they go one, four flat and just, you know, Tyrese go make a play. I, I think they can do a little bit more, you know, running plays and stuff like that and maybe, uh, set some other guys up, but he is not obviously afraid of that moment. And it's just get me the ball on the wing and I'm going to cross over three or four times until I jab step enough and get just enough space to pull back and take this three. And it goes and if we, if it goes in, you win, if you don't, you know, you lose. Um, he's obviously been very clearly willing to do that. Um, but it's just, you know, there, there are probably times earlier in the game where it's like, go get yours rather than trying to set this guy up a little bit more. You know, go get yourself a third, some 30-point nights rather than settling for 20-point nights. You know, there, yep. there's going to be some of that. And so I think he can he can advance in, in that way, certainly. I, but I think, like, your, your long-term thing I about being the best guy on a championship team, I still think – he can be the best guy on a championship team, but he will be the best guy because he enhances others, you know, and, um, be, because he can take another guy who's star level, like perhaps a Matherin and turn him into an all-star caliber guy, you know, take a mouse, take a mouse Turner, uh, that without him isn't the same, you know, like draw that kind of gravity, create, you know, just the, with the way he moves the ball and set guys up for easy ones and make even superstars go up a higher notch. Um, and that, that value is great for him. Um, and like, it's, I think as long as you're considering him, um, he's going, like, he's going to have that, that is, is going to be a big piece of, of sort of his equation. But, I do think for him to win a championship, there has got to be an all-star caliber guy that he's setting up and, and maybe making better. Maybe you, if you compared them, you know, their total package of value, Tyrese is greater, but there's got to be a guy I think who's an all-star level score that he is taking beyond, you know, um, I, I don't, 
think I don't think he can do it with four regular guys. I think there's got to be one really special guy in that group. Um, again, that he will make better. Um, that wouldn't be the same without him. But there needs to be a guy that's that that high up already, and he takes him to the next level. One more break here, guys, so I can talk to you about the great people over at FanDuel. The NFL has begun. The Colts had a fun but losing effort in week one, as usual. Get ready for the rest of the NFL season with the incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers over on FanDuel can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Well, that's nice. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet on everything, your favorites, your player props, your parlays, your spreads, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season with an offer you will not want to miss at FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Agreed. Looking forward to covering Tyrese Halliburton potentially being better. <laughs> what the hell Talk about something we haven't seen in a while. It's like, okay, like we, no, we're used to bothering all the time. Uh, you know, like we got, we got, we, we got new questions for Ty now. Yeah. We, we feel like we haven't seen I him. Know, I never have new material for him. I know it's been a while <laughs> a since we've had new things to ask. Like now, now we do for the first time in a while. Storyline number three for me. I'm just going to call it clarity <laughs> for a big picture. <laughs> Last year, a lot of this stuff, Caitlin Cooper was the first person I heard use this term. I used it a lot. Discovery or fact finding, right? Like who's mm. good, who's not, what makes sense as our young core grows was the thought before the season. Then they were good. And so mm. that kind of pivoted a bit to like winning and <laughs> sliding guys into positions for wins. And then they pivoted to what they are now. So this year, they clearly want to win more and be in the mix for the playoffs and in that play in spot. That's great. <laughs> At the same time, uh, mm. Toppin's young. Tyrese Halberton's young, Ben Matherin's young, Andrew Nemhard's young, Aaron Neesmith is young, Jairus Walker is young. All those guys are going to be in the rotation, right? So there is, mm. or at least Neesmith's on the fence, but I would guess yes. So like that's yeah, a somehow. Yeah, mm. right. So that's a teetering line of you want to be good. You have young guys to discover. So I say clarity to say two things. One, what does this rotation actually look like? How do the Pacers define who their best guys are while also still developing this clearly young team that they have assembled towing those two paths at the same time is very hard. I ask every single team ever that has tried to do it. So clarity part one is figuring out who should and shouldn't play and what that, what that looks like for your goals. I guess the clarity number one thing would be what your goals are. And number two is clarity on who they value, right? Who's the backup right. five? Who is it? Tyson mm -hmm. clearly looks like the second best one had a strong summer. But he also was this good before. He was just hurt last yeah. year, and they play really fast, and he plays better slow. Or is it a young guy? The backup mm. point guard. Who is it? Who what? is it? Who's starting at the four? Right? A lot of clarity about who they value and what it means for this team long term, I think, is going to be determined kind of early in the season with the rotation, but also with how guys play. And I think that's a big storyline because after this year, they're running out of time of cap space to really form their team. So getting all those clarity answers now and getting your direction solidified is important. Right. And, and you know, along with the, the, the cap issue and stuff, I thought that obviously they're going to have a lot less space once they actually have to pay Tyrese that money. Um, you know, if, if they win now, even on a moderate level, even if they're a play in team or a playoff team, um, you know, you're probably uh, not getting, you know, you, you've probably got your picks as far as, you know, guys that are real, not even real game changers, but are, you know, guys that you can look at and say that that's a, 
real cornerstone potential all-star type player. You know, you, you can add uh, pieces in this draft and next draft and, and you've got some, you know, numbers there as far as, you know, total picks. But, you know, I, this team's not going to pick. I, I presume this team's not picking eighth. You know, I, I presume this. Again, you mean, yeah. Yeah, isn't picking the top one unless it, unless it gets some lottery luck. Um, yep. You know, in, in that case, if it's a play-in team that doesn't get in, that you know that loses in the play-in round, uh, I feel like you know they're they're get, they're going back to picking in the double digits. And so, that, obviously, that doesn't mean you can't get somebody there, but you can't bank on the idea that okay, like there is a game changer coming. Um, you know, in this class, whereas you know, like Walker, I think is kind of on the fringe of that to start with. Uh, I think he's going to be a really good player. I, I don't mean that to diminish him, but like I don't know that he's a guy that you ever a- a- imagine averaging 25 a game um, as far as just being a guy in that capacity where Matherin is a guy that you could considerably, you know, um, could conceivably imagine that. Um, so it is saying, okay, you know, these are probably going to be your core pieces. Maybe you add another one or two in, in you know, upcoming drafts that are pretty good, but you, I- at least guys that you're going to get organically uh, probably have your 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 best players. You know, the guys that are going to be the, the kind of the top line guys. And so how do they fit together? How do they format together? And, you know, like you said, it's going to be tougher to add, tougher to move around uh, going forward after this. So who are the guys you keep? Who do you move on from and go try to use maybe their money or their roster spot or whatever to try to get somebody else from free agency or trades or something, something along those lines? Yeah, agreed. And we'll see how the vets figure into all that, too, if they value any of them more than young guys and i think they might because they're trying to win and it will be telling to see how carlisle and pritchard and co kind of get their clarity and figure out what they want this next summer hope everybody can see that we just switched to zoom because technology is the worst but on zoom dustin give me one more from you big pacer storyline for the season I think, I mean, it fits in kind of folds in with, uh, you know, the discussion of clarity. I mean, I think, um, with the additions they made, adding Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, obviously drafting Jairus Walker and Ben Shepard, uh, there was clearly a they clearly addressed the defensive issue. But what I would say they have now um, that uh, is, I think, a big storyline for this season is I would say that their best offensive five and their best defensive five are drastically different. Um, and the only one I would say that uh, belongs on both of those is Miles Turner. Uh, you know, I think he's their best offensive center, their best defensive center, but at every other position, I think you could argue that you have a best offensive guy and a best defensive guy. You know, I think that, um, sorry, my dog has thoughts on this, uh, you know, <laughs> point guard, I think you, you obviously have Tyrese Halliburton as your best offensive option, uh, where Andrew Nemharden and TJ McConnell are, are arguably both better defensive options, uh, at the wing. At the two and the three, you've you've got a lot of uh, you know some some drastic differences there. Where I would say Bruce Brown uh, and Aaron Neesmith would be you know your your best two guys at the two and the three to defend somebody. Where offensively, Buddy Heald and Benedict Matherin not necessarily in conjunction, um, but are your two best offensive wings. Uh, you know, again, I don't you know they don't necessarily fit well together. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Um, but you know. Buddy Hill's your best shooter. Benedict Matherin's probably might be your best all-around scorer. Uh, on at, at the four, um, you know, 
at some point, Jairus Walker is going to be a better defensive player than Obi Toppin is. Whether he's that right now is a different question, obviously, because he's just going to be joining the league. But I think you saw, obviously, the uh, not even the raw material, but but who he is as a defensive player. When he gets his feet set in the league, he's going to be a pretty good defender. I think we I think it's right now. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. It, you know, <laughs> I, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt to uh the the rookie um you know growing pains that you're going to get when sure. you're, you're getting used to defending guys at that level when you're getting used to uh the officiating and whatnot as kevin pritchard was clear enough to tell to tell us even going back to the lottery uh when i was trying to get him talking basically about walker without saying his name um that you know you can't just presume a guy a rookie is going to come in and change uh your team as a defensive player but uh, I'm going to guess, you know, maybe at some point this year, maybe at some point next year, he's going to be a def- better defensive player than Obi Toppin. And the only place at the five is at the five where you could say your best offensive guy and your best defensive guy are the same guy. So how do you balance that? Um, and, and how do you, do you, you know, do you let your best offensive five and your best defensive five play together at times so that you have that, you know, kind of in your back pocket for certain scenarios, whether you're up, whether you're down, um, or trying to put a game away, trying to come back. Uh, you know, do you alter the sort of first unit, second unit, um, you know, dynamic uh, to change things around for that purpose? Um, and how do you, you know, balance? I mean, basically, my, my thought was that in both the first unit and the second unit, you know, at, at the two and the three, um, you pick a defensive guy and an offensive guy. You know, basically, that one guy's there for offense, one guy's there for defense, whether you think of a shooting him as a shooting guard or a small forward or whatever you're making that you're making a decision saying okay i want a guy i know can guard and a guy like know know can know that can score uh in this realm and you know again what is that when you make those decisions what does that mean for the nemhard mcconnell deal at point uh do you still get nemhard some kind of reps at the two so you can get mcconnell some work because you obviously saw that he's still an effective basketball player um and can still defend guys can still get you steals in the backcourt uh and can still get you buckets which i think you know the, the, he had his best offensive season i think as a pro uh last year so how do you make all those calls i think is a big piece because you have to get better defensively um you know that's a, a very key piece of this you've shown that you can score the basketball uh and you but you've also proven that okay you have made a uh, point of emphasis in the offseason to get better defensively what does that look like when it comes to not just procuring talent, but deciding where it goes and where it fits next to the offensive players you already have? Yeah, it's like I said, I can't remember when I said this, but, you know, McConnell, Nemhard, Neesmith, um, Brown and Turner is five established NBA players who can guard their position. Well, like, mm. that's great. And if you yeah. even wanted, you could throw Walker in for one of the point guards and like they did not have a defensive five close to that good no. last year. Right. And that's a big step forward for their goals. The problem is that mm. five-man lineup kind of sucks on offense. <laughs> can't score at all, right? You're relying it can only, it can on only kind of score. It, it's not a crew of guys who can't at all score the basketball. Sorry, I'm on the move here because the dog's got thoughts that she has to share with the rest of the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the, um, yeah, I mean, there are each of those guys can score a little, has some kind of offensive presence, but you don't necessarily look at them and say that, okay, that lineup's going to get you a bunch of buckets. You, you don't have a guy there that you say, well, that guy can be, you know, your leading scorer can be a guy that's going to go get his in a scenario where everything else breaks down. There's there's nobody there, you know, maybe Bruce Brown a little, you know, Bruce right. Brown had, had some moments uh, in the Nuggets title run where he did something like that. Uh, 
in a second unit scenario, basically in an off the bench scenario where he might've been defending by a defended by a guy who wasn't a starter. Um, he can do that on occasion, but I don't know that you're putting him in for extended stretches and say, Bruce, go find a way, you know, go save us. I, I, I don't know that he's a guy you put in that scenario, but yeah, um, it, it, exactly. It, it's not, it's not a truly horrendous offensive lineup. I have seen worse because I've covered college basketball. Um, but, um, you, I've seen, no comment. Uh, lineups the five guys who cannot put the ball in the bucket at all um but you know it's still it for at, the, at an nba level you don't look at that and say and say that's a high efficiency offensive team um uh, but you have it, it is i think it, it is an important step that you can put out a defensive lineup that can you know do at least a pretty good job of locking somebody down. Um, but I don't know that, uh, but yeah, it, it's just that dichotomy of, of having, you know, very disparate talents when it comes to offense and defense uh, is something going to have to work through. Is going a lot of questions they have to answer for themselves. Yes. I, uh, I too remember the first two years of the Tom Crean era. <laughs> what was it how many they went what they win seven games eight games in his first season it was six i think the first year i wasn't on the beat the first year uh but prior to that i was covering james madison so i knew um you know when uh, my my guy chris corman took over the beat before he hired me uh i was covering jmu at the time and i'm like oh you're covering a six-win team i've done that before let me tell you what that's (laughs) like uh it's it is something uh, but yeah, there, there's you, you, I, I've seen worse, but again, and, and, you know, there are, those guys can all contribute something offensively. And so, yes. and so that's the thing when you're mixing them in with a Halliburton, you know, with, with a healed and, and a Matherin or whatever, um, those guys can be useful offensively. Bruce Brown in particular, obviously, uh, Rick Harlock couldn't wait to tell us how good he was in transition. And he was, um, so he is going to fit when Halliburton's running the break and Brown's coming down as a wing. He's a, he's an option to put the ball in the bucket, you know, and he can shoot it from time to time. Uh, you've seen Aaron Neesmith make some shots. Um, you know, he's, he's streaky as all get out, but he can make some shots. Obviously Nemhard, when he's had to run the offense, uh, has had his times when he's got, you know, his, his big scoring games. You go back to the Milwaukee game, uh, you know, last year after, after he, you know, when he had to take over there, um, it's possible for each of those guys to put the ball in the bucket. It's just putting them all together. You know, there's no one that you look for and say, this guy can make us right when we're wrong. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of balancing, uh, to see who can not deflate the other end of the floor the most, I feel like. And the other challenge of that is everybody's going to fit better with Tyrese, like the defensive guys. Right. So how do you make the non Tyrese lineups? score and if yeah. you do are you just totally tanking your defense when he's not in the game that's going to be a tricky one for rick carlisle because this team definitely needs to be better on defense but i don't think they have the personnel to get better than 20th ish this yeah year. so that's about right i mean i i think they were like can you get up to 15th i don't know if you can get up to 15th. i don't think so uh, yeah especially with the the balances the decisions you have to make again can that best defensive five if those guys were playing 30 minutes a night could that be a top 10, 15 defense. Yeah. Probably. But that would be insane. That'd be the 30th yeah. offense. <laughs> and I think absolutely no offense to those guys. That would yeah. Be. And and the other piece is Halliburton, as we as we mentioned earlier. Um, you know, there I I one thing I called him, and this was probably taking it a little bit too far. And this is a thing that if you ever see saw it, he probably would pin on his wall. But he <laughs> might be one of the best defensive players in the league who can't guard anybody. Um, and I like it. It makes you know, sense. You know, because his ball hawking ability is actually elite. You he know, reads the game very well. 
He, he reads it phenomenally well. And, you know, I thought there was a block he made, and I can't remember if it was a showcase game or a group play game, um, where, you know, basically he came off a screen and then just sprinted first shot, knocked it up in the air. And I think that might have... Grease. Grease in the first play. group stage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was... He just he just made a tremendous, a terrific read yeah. uh, on that ball, got his hand up, you know, just, you know, forced, forced a bad shot, got a piece right. of it, it turned into a, uh, you know, layup on the break. And he did a lot of that. Again, he was top five in the league and steals last year, you know, 1.6 per game is a really, really good number. So that's a valuable piece defensively. It's just, you can't put him on the other team's best score, you know, at this point, um, you know, maybe someday he gets there. So I don't want to rule out the capacity for somebody to improving. Um, but right now that's not a thing you're trying to do. So you, you have to then get a Bruce Brown or an Andrew Nemhard or an Aaron Neesmith or somebody uh, on the floor that can take on those guys um, that, that can at least slow down, you know, the top players you're going to be dealing with. If you're putting Tyrese on LeBron James or, you know, not Giannis, forget it. I mean, that's just, a, that's an entirely <laughs> story, but um, you know, a, um, and I'm not thinking of centers here, a Kawhi Leonard, even a Paul George, Kevin Durant, a, a Devin Booker and Jamal Murray and Anthony Edwards, you know, he's not winning those, you know, but like it, it, there's a value to having him on the floor because he can end possessions, you right. know, and that's, that's a key piece is to be able to end possessions. And if you can do it um, without having to let the other guy get a shot, that helps, you know, to, to get involved in movement and stop a possession, stop a play before it gets, you know, stop the ball before it gets to intended target. Uh, you've done something. So it's, it's, it's calculating, you know, what you gain and what, what you lose from him defensively um, because you gain, you know, he's a pretty decent weak side rebounder too. get the occasional block shot, get the occasional steal, read plays really well. It's just, you know, when you got a man up on the ball, sometimes you lose that battle. I want one more thing I want to talk about. This will be the shortest one by far to me, but mm. from a storyline perspective, from a young growing team, it's kind of clear what the young guy hierarchy is right now. But a question I will have that I think is important to answer just as they grow and think about what consolidation trades and all that in the future is, is anyone else a dude, right? Like Tyrese Halberton's clearly a dude. Benedict Matherin yeah. could be a dude. Is, mm. is Andrew Nemhard going to have a year where we go, oh man, you know, this he's great. Yeah. He's got to be... You know, right. that you, you've got another guard who should play a lot here. Mm-hmm. Is Jarris Walker going to show enough? Like he's a rookie. He won't be great. But he just shown over. You go, oh, yeah, when this when this or that clicks like this is a guy. Right. This is great. Yeah. A- any young guy can fit into that group. I mean, c- saying anything about, you know, Ben Shepard or the backup centers or whatever is a little bit of a fool's errand here. But can mm-hmm. anyone else not even necessarily a young guy like Miles Turner took a big step forward sure. last year? Like, can anyone else be a dude where you're like, yes, that guy is a key part of the next good to great Pacers team, or is it kind of just the obvious names and they're still going to be left searching for that kind of stuff in future seasons? That's just something I'll be curious about because sure. they they didn't like, they didn't have a good summer, obviously, but they didn't do any of the splashy stuff that Kevin Pritchard was, was itchy as he said to, yeah. to kind of do. So I'll be curious mm-hmm. if, if he doesn't have to be itchy and maybe some of the guys that he just has ends up being that guy. Right. And, you know, I, I think Bruce Brown and Obi Toppin are part of that discussion, too. Yes, you know, they are. I think, uh, Obi, I definitely should have said. I don't know how I forgot him. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's but it is the question. OK, like what happens when Obi gets real minutes when when he's not stuck behind Julius Randle and he's not in the scenario um, that uh, he was in with the Knicks where, you know, Thibodeau did not want to play those two together, you know, felt like that was a bad move from a defensive standpoint, would have put them at a disadvantage if they don't have a Mitchell Robinson or, or you know, one of their other fives. 
on the floor, uh, you know, Obi is going to get a real opportunity and he is going to get it playing the style of play he wants. Uh, you know, I mean, he's he is a elite rim runner and he is going to benefit from the idea of playing Tyrese Halliburton. So what's that look like stat wise? Um, you know, how much of a force does he become when you put him with Halliburton who really wants to push it? And, and what is that? Uh, how does that just change the math from game to game? Um, right. How many points are you getting out of that? Just, you know, OBC it, no, no, knowing that the, uh, you know, possession is about to change, whether it's going to be on a missed shot or a steal or whatever, and break. And, you know, that's that's his, you know, elite skill is the ability to you know, act like he's a tight end running the seam and just go. And <laughs> you, know, you fling it up in the air and Tyree says, F it, you know, OB up there somewhere and you connect and, th- and that goes for a layup. Um, you know, how much does that change the game? How much does that change his career? And does he turn into, and I don't know that he turns into an all-star that way, but if he turns into a guy that's like, okay, he, he's, he's got to be a 30 minute a night starter, start every game guy. Um, you know, again, does Bruce Brown, when he is a full-time, you know, it, it, I, I presume he's going to start this year based on, you know, Rick Carlisle was willing, was close, was quicker to commit to that as an idea than I expected him to be, right. uh, when, I don't know who asked. Uh, it might have been you. I'm not sure. But when we talked to him after immediately after the signing, immediately after that became official, um, you know, he was like, yeah, I mean, he'll probably start. We're paying him twenty two million dollars. <laughs> what do you mean? Um, and when, when I wasn't sure it was a short thing, because you do have Matherin and Heald, you have to satisfy there. Um, but if Brown becomes a guy that you're getting 15, 16, 17 a game out of, plus he's your best defender and he's taking the best guy uh, every game, does he become somebody that you're you know, legitimately thinking about keeping? past that two-year deal can you keep paying him as much as you're paying him because obviously they had to spend some money to get to the floor um you know will he play enough that you're keeping him even when that's not part of the calculation anymore uh you know i think those are a whole bunch of questions but yeah I i think it is a big piece because again i from going back to it i do think you need to have at least two dudes probably two and a half dudes you know i think that's the best way to put it and and like the the dude versus guy description is one of my favorite ways to discuss <laughs> uh you know kind of delineate players um you know it, again like like you said <laughs> the the is andrew nemhart a guy or a dude is aaron neesmith a guy or a dude uh question it is really key if any of those guys become you know to use the parlance again dudes your trajectory changes your, your way of considering what your moves moves are changes when you're thinking of who is immovable who are if if you're gonna win, it has it's gonna be with this guy, um, and he makes you a uh, again, you know, conference title contender. You know, I, I think that's the thing. Is like what 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 makes you think you belong? Who are the type of guys that you can look at and say this makes you think you belong with Philly, Boston, Miami, Milwaukee? You know, like what puts you in that realm? And when you look at those guys that they have on their top line who puts you there who makes you think that you belong in a in a sentence that also includes a team with Giannis Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton or Embiid Harden and Maxi or Brown Tatum and you know whoever likes your third third you know Porzingis you know with with Boston you know like who puts you in that category if you got three guys that line up there um you know, who, who are those three guys? And, you know, is it Turner? It could be Turner. Like you said, I mean, it's a guy that's established. Does, does he take another leap with another year of Halliburton? You know, does the, is Turner the type of guy who he continues to rise, you know, bring his level up? Uh, yeah, no, I think that's that that's a huge, huge key piece for this group. The enunciation of the words matters when you're describing, right? Is he a dude or is he a dude? 
Yeah, exactly. Such a, mid, a Midwest right. description. Dude, you're still not sure. Like, yeah, exactly. Dude is like, he's a, that, that guy's a dude. He's a dude, you know? Um, and so, like, that started to cross sports now. I feel like that was a baseball thing first, and then it was football, and then it was basketball. But I could be wrong about that. But, yeah, no, it totally is a big piece to it is, is just knowing who – Who's really, really up there? Who's top? Who Who are your top level? You know, top level guys, and do they belong at the top level of everybody else's top level guys? Ne- next year, I want to do a show somehow that's just I pull flashcards up of NBA players who are like fringe all stars, and the guest yeah. has to say a guy or a dude. And I just right, <laughs> exactly. Just debate that. <laughs> just debate that for a while. And DeAndre so- Aiden, <laughs> guy or dude? Oh man, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> that for thirty minutes. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be fascinating to see because the more that step up, obviously, the merrier. If you Pacers who are in an interesting flex situation. Before recorded, Dustin astutely said that really, in a situation like this, where like, yeah, Miles Turner's going to start at center and Tyrus Halbert's going to start at point guard. And every other position has intriguing battles. Every player is a storyline of their own accord this year. But some big stories arise up, especially for a young team hoping to win some games this season, to be playing a meaningful basketball game or two or 10 or whatever beyond their regular season. It's going to be fascinating to see how this all goes. Dustin, thank you for the time and the patience. While the internet podcast overlord said, F you guys, good luck. (laughs) But we figured it out. Where can people find you and your work covering the team we just talked about for quite a while as we figured that all out? Indeed. Yeah. No, same as always. IndyStarSports.com or IndyStar.com. I'm sorry. And obviously go to the sports page and click on the Pacers uh, and you'll see our stuff. Obviously been been quiet for a while, but uh, within the next couple of weeks, you're going to start to see it pick back up again. Um, You can still go there and read read about your Colts uh, as well. You know, check it, check what uh, my man Joel Erickson, Nate Atkins had to say about, uh, you know, Anthony Richardson and his debut and whatnot. But yeah, in a couple of weeks, you'll start seeing that fill back up with Pacers content. And obviously you can check me out at Twitter at at Dustin DePirac. Not called Twitter anymore. Oh, that's. I believe. I believe one of your most recent stories was a, two of them, right? Were about Slam Ball. If I if I am not hey, mistaken, Slam Ball was a fun little addition to my <laughs> July. Interesting guys, no, uh, and and I think that's going to be cool. I'm looking forward to running into the. Uh, there were three guys on the Pacers Power Pack, the Slam Dunk Team, the the Trampoline Dunk Team. Uh, they have entertaining you at uh, quarter breaks and halftime and everything like that. And one of them, Cameron Hollins, was on a champ was on the championship team called the Mob, uh, which I guess originally in the immediate the the first inference or the first uh iteration of slam ball back in 02 was the chicago mob um but they were coached by a uh uh brendan kirsch i believe i, th- I think he's bishop chatard i think he's an indie high school guy and they ran the table and they crushed everybody like it was the scores were obnoxious uh so those were some cool stories and uh kirsch's whole thing from going from being a college basketball coach to getting involved in slam ball to while that was slowly taking off, getting into, uh, you know, basketball choreography for movies and TV shows. He did One Tree Hill. He did semi-pro uh, trying to teach actors to play basketball with some fun stuff. So that was cool. But yeah, so we'll get back. But we'll get back to writing about the actual Pacers starting in the next couple of weeks uh, when it starts to get real here r- leading into camp. Nobody jumping off trampolines here. Dustin, thank you for the time. Everybody, we'll be back tomorrow talking about We'll see, because player interviews are not meant to be here. And we'll have another player season preview episode with Caitlin on Friday. Thank you guys for sticking with us today. We will see you soon.